This is Edward Mazur, Chairman Emeritus of the City Club of Chicago. Our speaker today, addressing a group of almost 300 people, was Aaron Elliman, the Executive Director of the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning, better known as CMAP. This is an agency that's involved in planning for the entire metropolitan area and interfaces with Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan. She is the first woman to head the agency, the first professional urban planner to lead the agency. She has a master's in urban planning and a history of working with the Illinois Department of Transportation, the city of Chicago, before heading up the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. Most of her comments were directed at this huge infrastructure bill that Congress and the president signed several months ago. What will be done with all of this money? Aaron said that transportation is all about the quality of life, mobility, jobs, commerce, education, and more. Transportation, she says, touches every aspect of our life, and many of us are not even aware of it. She commented that driving is the most expensive form of transit that we could have. She said that the recently enacted gas tax uh, savings by Governor Pritzker really is a very low bar. She said we need to raise the bar. We need to focus in on investments on streets, bridges, outdoor spaces, accessibility for those with special needs. Her agency, which has over 100 staffers, is a resource to every community in metropolitan Chicagoland. She talked about the impact of COVID on transit systems, gridlock. She said everybody can't drive to work, and there will be changes coming as they project. By 2030, up to 35% of people who work will be working from their homes. She says this becomes more than a downtown problem. It's a metropolitan problem that will affect every suburb and town in the greater Chicagoland area. Their studies show that 60% of jobs must be done in person. So we have to devise ways of getting people to those jobs that are fully integrated, that offer cost-effective transportation and savings in time. Helping people get around, she says, becomes a question of equitability. The Chicago area, then, she talked about our air quality. She said, we have very poor air quality. We need to focus more on low and zero emissions. If that's the case, she said, we need better frameworks for electric vehicles. We need to have many more electric charging vehicle stations around the metropolitan area. In the new infrastructure bill, she said there is $5 billion set aside for electric charging initiatives. She hopes that Illinois and the Chicagoland area will get their share, perhaps up to $50 million. Eventually, she said, all communities must benefit from electric vehicles. The future of infrastructure in the metropolitan area of Chicagoland is all about people. And that was Aaron Alman of the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. Thank you. I would like to bring up um, the person who just keeps this thing together in the county. Um, you know, she's had some challenges and has risen to every single one of them. I am a super admirer of her. I bring up Cook County President Tony Preckwinkle. Thank you. 
Good afternoon, everybody. Um, it's my pleasure to introduce Aaron today. I have a script, which I'll read from, and then I'll say a few things. <laughs> Aaron Alleman is executive director of the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. She was appointed in June of 2019, so she's approaching her third year in the job. She oversees an agency that employs more than 100 staff members and, implement, and implements recommendations in On to 2050, which is the long-range plan for our region, for northeastern Illinois. She has 15 years of experience developing transportation and land use policies. She began her career at CMAP before moving to the Illinois Department of Transportation, so that was in 2007. She came for the first time, then went on to IDOT, first as a bureau chief and then as director of the Office of Planning and Programming. During her IDOT tenure, she provided strategic guidance, implemented performance-based tools, developed the state's first asset management plan, and was responsible for developing multimodal policy initiatives. She has a master's degree in urban planning. She's a certified mediator, a strategist for the Obama Foundation Scholars Program, and member of the American Planning Association Women's Transportation Seminar. In addition to being the first woman to serve as CMAP's executive director, Alleman is the first professional planner to lead the agency. Crane Chicago Business recognized her accomplishments in its 2019 40 Under 40 list. Um, I want to thank her personally for the partnership uh, with CMAP. Uh, you know, when the pandemic began and the federal government provided us with CARES resources, we had to try to figure out how to equitably allocate those resources. And we decided we'd share them with cities, towns, and villages, local municipalities in Cook County. And we wanted to do it in some other way than strictly per capita. And we went to CMAP, and, and they worked with us and provided a social vulnerability index that gave us an indication of those communities that had the greatest need, both because of the impact of the pandemic on their communities and because of longstanding challenges, and it guided our um, allocation of resources uh, to the uh, cities, towns, and villages in Cook County, in suburban Cook. And we continue to work with CMAP on regional planning, and I'm very grateful for her assistance and support. I hope you welcome her warmly. On here. Thank you so much, President Preckwinkle, for that warm welcome. It's really an honor to be here today and see folks' faces in, in public. I was joking as we were welcoming people that it's sort of like being at a wedding, right? You're like, oh, I know all these people. It's really great. So um, first, I want to thank uh, Jackie, too, for your, your welcome and introduction, and, and Dr. Mazur as well for having me here. Uh, there are a few CMAP board members in the room, so I just wanted to give a little shout out. Uh, Ann Sheehan is on our board. Ann, um, thanks for being here today. And also, Nina Edamudia, who's the City of Chicago Recovery Plan Director. Um, thanks again for being here today. Um, I also want to thank all of you. I've worked with many of you or your organizations in a number of capacities. And, you know, I know that many of you are really proud to serve the people of Illinois in the, the roles and responsibilities that you have. So thank you so much for being here, too. You know, again, I am super energized by being here today with all these people who eat, sleep, and breathe transportation. This industry is in my DNA. 
And I probably only recognized that after I got to CMAP and started doing some planning and then worked at IDOT for a little bit. But I grew up in a household where transportation and logistics was talked about on a nightly basis. My dad, Sam, worked for UPS for over 30 years, and he was a package delivery man, you know, the guy who brings you the stuff, brought you the stuff through the the pandemic and kept your, you know, that all of your supplies stocked. Um, you know, his focus on his job was really about people, the customer service element, or he was very oriented on making sure his businesses got the packages that they needed to get to on time to the places that they needed to go. And it's that people-focused passion that I really bring to this position here uh, at CMAP here. I work alongside an extraordinary team of planners at CMAP who also have that same passion for working with people and our communities across northeastern Illinois. There's really no question that we're an extraordinary turning point in terms of where we are in the transportation field with this federal infusion of jobs, uh, of infrastructure dollars through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So I just want to start by asking, what does that really mean for our region? And what's the future of transit? The future of road safety? Or the future of climate resiliency here? That's what I'm going to talk about. But before I get into that, um, into the what we are doing and the how we are doing it, I really want to focus on who we are doing this work for. So there's Pietro. Pietro is a University of Illinois at Chicago uh, student who shared with us that he lives in Lakeview. On a good day, it probably takes him about 35 minutes to get downtown to the places he needs to go. Um, but he's experienced days where it's taken an hour and a half. And, you know, he shared with us that really people who don't have any other options are forced to deal with that sort of length of travel time and unpredictability. Then there's Yvonne. Yvonne from the North Lawndale neighborhood who shared with us that if you have public transportation that's on time, that goes through a route where people can access health care, where they can get to grocery stores, better jobs, it really does improve your quality of life. These stories truly remind us that transportation is about people. It's about quality of life. It's about equity, opportunity, and jobs. It's also about keeping people safe. It's about our region's economic resiliency and our strength, but our environment and our climate are intertwined as well. Transportation touches everything. If we are going to thrive and compete as the third largest metropolitan region in the country, we do need to think about big, bold, sustainable solutions to our transportation challenges. Like many of you, I peruse the headlines of cranes almost every morning to see what's going on. And a couple weeks ago, a headline caught my eye. It said yes to a gas tax holiday. My guess is probably most of us own one car in this room here today. So you can probably relate to this. I won't lie. My husband had a few choice words that he texted me after he filled his tank up with gas the other day. But I'll share that while, you know, the measure of a gas tax holiday relieves a tiny bit of pain at the pump, gas tax holidays set a low bar if we are going to move the needle on solutions that impact and improve people's lives. And they don't address the root of the problem. We know from our research that driving is the most expensive form of transportation, and it's not just the cost of gas or the taxes on each gallon of gas. We know that low-income households have to drive to work, to school, because their communities don't have access to easy trans access to transit. 
If we're truly going to create a future where transportation that meets everyone's needs, we need to think bigger than the gas tax. We need to raise the bar. Additionally, these short-term fixes create bigger problems longer term. In this region and the state took a significant step towards fully funding our transportation system when we implemented and passed Rebuild Illinois. We doubled the motor fuel tax. We indexed it to inflation. And a six-month freeze may not be that much money on the surface, about $70 million. But it's the compounding nature of that freeze over time that would have resulted in a loss of $1.5 billion to transportation infrastructure in our region. While the final state budget bill filled that gap, we don't want to lose ground on making long overdue improvements to our system here. The infrastructure law, and you've heard this before, brings a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but to change the future of transportation. We will be making uh, significant investments in our bridges, in our aging infrastructure, in traffic safety, um, in innovative uses of public spaces, including $700,000 annually in our region for complete streets projects. All the things that we grew to love over COVID, being outside, outdoor dining, biking, walking when we wanted to, they can be made permanent. We can build these ideas into long-range planning projects through our shared vision for our region. This new bill also supports equity, the environment, and resilience as core principles. These are the same principles that guide everything that we do at CMAP. The only way for our region to maximize the benefits of this new infrastructure law is by working together, not competing for these resources. As the regional coordinating agency, CMAP is here to help. We are a resource to all of our communities, the counties, and the region. We are ready to convene, to prioritize, and to build consensus. We have the expertise to make sure that we move quickly on projects. This, this uh, preparation really takes good financial modeling, analysis, and I'll just share that's one of the things that we're really good at. So during the last two years, the resilience of our region and our residents have been tested in countless ways. By the end of April 2020, transit ridership had declined by more than 80% across the Chicago Transit Authority, PACE, and Metro systems. Total system ridership was down about 64% from 2019 levels as of this January, and Metra is still experiencing the largest decline. COVID has caused significant shifts in the way that impact our transit system, our highways, our tollways, our roads, our sidewalks, our bus lanes, and so much more. But it's bigger than just one issue or one place. And it's because it's this whole system's change that we need to be thinking about a whole system's response. When we realized that the pandemic wasn't going to be, you know, just a couple weeks at home, but that it might have long-term impacts to the way that we move across our region, we engaged partners to take a closer look at the intersection of remote work, where people live, and where businesses choose to locate. Our goal is to really build consensus around a set of recommendations, which we'll be announcing this fall. But I want to share some of those initial findings with you here today. If 25% of people who took transit pre-COVID were to use a car, that would mean an additional 193,000 hours of congestion on our roadways each weekday. That could mean a loss of about a billion dollars in productivity annually. Clearly, the future of transportation can't look like everybody driving to work. 
So what can that future look like? On the average weekday, we're anticipating about a quarter of the people will work remotely. And on some days, in some places, where there's a high quantity of white-collar jobs, we expect that number to be even higher, maybe even as much as 35%. Pre-COVID, it was between 6 and 8%. Fewer trips impact transit revenues, they impact sales tax revenues, uh, which directly impact local government budgets. And it's not just a downtown problem, it's a Main Street problem. It impacts vibrant suburban downtowns that have been historically centered around metro stations like Blue Island, LaGrange, Libertyville. There are hundreds of them, and that's one of our competitive advantages here in the region. And while hybrid work is the reality for many in our region, the majority of the jobs in our region can't be done remotely. Work in industries like transportation and logistics, healthcare, manufacturing, hospitality, they can't be done from home. This data tells us that these essential workers disproportionately live in low-income communities, and people with low incomes and people of color have longer commute times and more expensive daily commutes. These residents pay nearly three times as much on transportation than residents with higher incomes. People of color are twice as likely as white residents to say it's hard for them to get to work. Black residents in the region face the longest travel times for a number of trips, but especially work. Inequitable access to transportation options has prevented growth and investment in black and Latino communities and low-income communities for far too long. And that is why we are working with a coalition of transportation equity advocates, as well as community civic organizations to change that. The Transportation Equity Network is helping us reimagine our transportation system. The future of transportation is equitable, it's flexible, and it works outside the loop connecting people across our region from Alsip to Zion. Let's build those dedicated lanes for bus rapid transit, or BRT. BRT provides just the flexibility, I hear you and I see you, just the flexibility that we need here in our region. You know, and we've been doing some of this already. You know, Pace's bus on shoulder service along our expressways and tollways, as well as a new plan to dispatch more express buses onto 294 to help workers in the south suburbs get to jobs like places in places like O'Hare, Schaumburg, and Rosemont. CTA and PACE Express buses have carried us through the pandemic, and they'll continue to do that even into the future. So I believe that we should invest in more promising practices that we've seen across the region from our partners, like Connect to Work. It's a program that helps transit riders get around Bedford Park, a freight and logistics hub in our region. Whether it's a free shuttle during rush hour or they provide discounted rates at night um, when, you're able, when you're not able to sort of get that reliable transit. Um, or the Illinois Tollway, who's been increasing their access to the IPASS Assist program to allow low-income households more resources to be able to utilize their system. Fair Transit South Cook is another great idea. Reducing the fares for the metro lines on the Rock Island, on the electric line, and increasing bus service for individuals. We need those low-cost, quick solutions, and we need long-term strategies to solve long-term problems like a fully integrated fare system where a user can pay into one account and use their money for MetroPace or CTA. Imagine making $15 an hour and having to pay twice as much for your transit ride just because you have to pay for two separate fare systems. And imagine doing all that without a bank account or a credit card. 41% 
of households with an annual income under $30,000 a year don't use a bank account and don't have a credit card. The essential workers that we called heroes during the height of the pandemic are facing this challenge every day. But we can do something about it. As I look out the windows of our new office at the old post office where CMAP is now, and I think about the future of our region, I am reminded in so many ways of Daniel Burnham's plan for Chicago. It called for big, bold plans that made our region what it is today. Consider this. Over 100 years ago, Burnham anticipated the need for an east-west connector in our region in the 1909 plan of Chicago. Three decades later, the architects working on the addition to the old post office anticipated an expressway running below the building. Two decades after that, in 1956, the Eisenhower Expressway was built, along with Ida B. Wells Drive running east-west beneath this behemoth of a building. The CTA Blue Line also runs nearly four stories underground and under the river at the point of our building. I'd say that long-range planning thing might work. Um, given this pivotal moment in our industry with the infrastructure funds, I do believe we can continue this legacy Daniel Burnham set for us. Invest in 290 and the Blue Line together to create a multimodal corridor, a real game changer that can deliver the biggest, boldest impact to our region. When the public and private sectors come together, we are unstoppable. We can prioritize benefits that benefit and strengthen every community. For example, we could look at the success of the Chicago Regional Environmental Transportation Efficiency Program. You probably know this as CREATE, um, which is untangling passenger lines and reducing delays and improving the quality of life to communities and people across our region. And it's a one-of-a-kind public-private partnership, which is also helping us maintain our status as an economic hub for freight and goods movement across our region. Partnerships like this are critical if we want a well-connected system. The future of transportation is where 8.6 million residents can use multiple options to meet their need. The key is use those multiple options, not just have them available to them. The future is more affordable transit, faster, more reliable bus service in the suburbs. These transportation decisions are quality of life decisions. Equity must also be part of the solution. I like telling the story about my daughter, Paloma. In third grade for a homework assignment, she asked me what our family values are. And I said, well, we treat people with equal respect. And she said, mom, Miss Rodriguez says that when you treat people equally, they all get the same thing. But when you treat people with equity, everyone gets what they need, right? You know, from the mouths of babes. But when our children get it and understand, we owe it to them to do better. We also owe it to all of the people in our region to improve the safety of our roads. While cars have gotten exponentially safer over time, we still have too many fatalities on our roadways here in Illinois. The Illinois Department of Transportation uh, reports that nearly 1,200 traffic fatalities in 2020, up 18% from 2019. 2021 traffic fatalities are projected to be even higher. 140 more deaths. Over a three-year period, the total increase in deaths is 32%. Transportation experts point to an increase in speeding for the recent rise. 
with drivers going more than 15 miles over the posted speed limit. Pedestrian bicyclists are getting seriously injured and killed. They have much lower survival rates in crashes, especially when drivers exceed 20 miles per hour. You might assume this is happening on our highways. It's not. More than half of 2019 crashes were on roads with a posted speed limit of 25 to 30 miles per hour. And most were on local roads. Let's think about the schools, the playgrounds, and the homes on those local roads. Let's remember who should be at the center of our decision-making. Like Nicole in Buffalo Grove, a mental health counselor who lives less than 15 minutes away from her workplace in Arlington Heights. Nicole has had too many close calls when she's been out walking with her guide dog, Pat. She shared with us that for people with disabilities, not just the visually impaired, it can feel like we're an afterthought. It's not often until after we bring up a problem that people think of us. I wish places would be more proactive and incorporate these things into society before they become an issue. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has referred to the national rise in traffic fatalities as a crisis and called for cooperation and coordination amongst all levels of government, industry, and advocacy. And when Secretary Pete calls, we answer. And not just me, not just CMAP, it's this entire industry. We have a group at CMAP of safety experts, engineers, and equity advocates who are reviewing recommendations related to speed management. The safe systems approach that we're incorporating includes designing safer, more walkable streets, reducing speed limits where crash rates are high, and increasing awareness and education on traffic safety risks. With our partners, we're also continuing to collect, analyze, and report on regional safety data to improve these outcomes. CMAP has worked with IDOT to set safety targets for our region, and we are hopeful that more funding and new opportunities in the infrastructure law will help us drive down those rates here in our region and make progress on people who are seriously injured and killed in, in crashes. The infrastructure law increases key safety funds by about 30%. At the regional level, a portion of our funds must be spent on complete streets. And every state must improve safety for our most vulnerable users by assessing needs, identifying strategies, and dedicating dollars towards solutions. We need to think about our most vulnerable users when we're designing systems and spaces. And our public spaces must uphold the hallmarks of the Americans with Disabilities Act. A report last year by our friends at the Metropolitan Planning Council found that nearly 178 communities across our region don't have ADA transition plans. These plans are mandated by the federal government, and they identify ways for communities to make it easier for people to get around. People like Christine from Mount Prospect, who said, anytime I want to go see my family, we have to get me into a car. I have to transfer from the wheelchair to the car, from the car to the wheelchair, and it's not fun, and it's a big deal. When my kids were young, I spent a lot of time pushing them around in strollers. It gave me an entirely new perspective on the importance of curb cuts, elevators, 
ramps, and other resources that communities can put into place today that help people get around more equitably. Our future transportation system removes these barriers and has to benefit everyone. As the region's planning organization, CMAP is here to help our communities with limited resources take action and secure funding, which is why we are making an unprecedented $10 million commitment over the next 10 years to help our region uh, address that ADA compliance issue that we have here and to work with partners across our region to create and develop transition plans, um, really acting on these requirements. Again, this is what CMAP does. We help communities get the data that they need to make better decisions. And then we help them access resources. And then we help them see it through to implementation. For the Illinois International Port District, CMAP assisted with securing about $25 million in funding for infrastructure upgrades to improve the facility and make it more economically competitive. Other examples are when we've embedded staff in communities like Sauk Village and Calumet Park. We've been able to secure about $3.75 million for those communities for the needed uh, infrastructure investments that they need. We're ready to do more of this for communities across our region with the support from the infrastructure law. So earlier I said transportation touches everything. So I want to talk about the climate for just one hot minute. Um, according to the, <laughs> my husband says I'm not funny, so don't, you shouldn't be laughing. Um, so, uh, so I wanted to talk um, about the climate for a minute here. Um, according to the American Lung Association, Chicago is within uh, the top 25 most polluted country uh, cities in the United States. You know, environmental justice truly is a transportation and a health issue that must be addressed in our region. Low-income communities, indigenous, black, and Latino communities are disproportionately harmed by emissions from the transportation sector. We get more resources here in our region because our air quality is bad. And while I like more infrastructure dollars here for projects, I would rather have fewer kids with asthma. If everyone commuted, even if everyone commuted to the loop on transit, we would still not meet our climate goals, which is why we are working with our partners on widespread adoption of low emission, zero emission vehicles. You know, with people from our government agencies, from community organizations and businesses, we're looking to develop a framework for electric vehicle charging network that is equitable. We want to make sure that that farmer in Joliet can come downtown to Daly Plaza, charge his Ford F-150 Lightning, uh, and, and return home. You know, the infrastructure law includes $5 billion over the next five years for charging investments across our region. Illinois is expected to receive about $50 million of that annually. In addition, there will be competitive grants for alternative funding, or alternative charging infrastructure that covers uh, partnering with private sector initiatives as well. This public-private partnership is, and collaboration is really key to creating this regional charging network, not only to speed the transition, but to ensure that equity is top of mind. And I believe if we don't influence these decisions of where local EV charging networks are and leave those decisions solely to the market, we'll be stuck with that same unequitable map we've seen a thousand times at CMAP. The map that President Puckrinkle shared when she was here before. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. We'll have stations on the north side. We'll have stations in the northwest suburbs. 
and we'll have very few in the south and the southwest suburbs. That's the state we're in today, but CMAP is working to change that by designing an equitable charging network. The future of electric vehicles must be a future where everyone can benefit from with no barriers or access to stop them. We can have a cleaner, a more resilient infrastructure, a higher quality of life, a more prosperous region if we act together as one region. So many of you who are here know me. I'm an eternal optimist, but I do believe that history also supports that our working together can make a difference. Planners and history buffs also will recall uh, our interstate system came out of President Eisenhower's vision for a comprehensive system to move people and goods, to address congestion, to maintain our economic security, and support national defense strategies. Eisenhower didn't say, let's build highways or roads to do that. You know, it really was a way for our nation to be prepared for the future and to connect the country. So I ask each one of you, what's the future of infrastructure today? How has it changed since 1956? <coughs> Who is it for? At CMAP, we believe that the future of infrastructure is for people. I'm approaching my three-year anniversary here at CMAP, a global pandemic, never been seen before transit shifts, economic impacts, and so much more have just made our jobs a little bit harder. But like many of you, we've adapted and become more resilient because of it. I truly believe that these last few years have shown how important and valuable our work can be. Our, in, our core principles of inclusive growth, resilience, and prioritized investment are even more relevant today. I am proud to work with our dedicated board members, with our CMAP staff, our firms that work with us day in and day out on solving these problems, our business leaders, our mayors, and our county elected officials. Together, we can work to solve these complex problems for people, people like Pietro, like Yvonne, like Nicole, like Christine, and my daughter, Paloma. We are motivated to take on these seemingly impossible challenges because we care about and can deliver results. We are the drivers of transformation in our region. That future is now. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. I'm with you. Yeah, there is no graceful way to get up over here. So if you are, yeah, it's just not cool. Um, the president was far more gracious than, than I was. Oh, we have to fix that. I Maybe we haven't had a lot of women getting up here, but it's just not cool. It was for the guys. <laughs> we'll do something about that. Um, so Paloma is my favorite. She's my new favorite. I, I'll bring I, her next time. Please do. Please do. So I wanted to give you a chance to get some water and everything. Um, President Preckwheel has been talking about transportation for what? Ten years, President? Easy? That's why she's a bit of a visionary. So always ahead of the curve talking about these things. And there's so much to, um, <clears throat> to, to, to discuss. I think that CMAP is doing a great job. And I have a couple of questions. Um, were there any questions from... Ashton has a question. If anyone has any questions, just hold this up and I'll come around and try to get them. So, hey, Amanda, can you guys come in here for a second? 
Can you guys all come in here for a second? Is that everybody? Okay. So I, I was told not to do this, but I just kind of feel like I go with my gut sometimes. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talk about the Maggiano staff who does a wonderful job, and we appreciate them and we acknowledge them. And every now and again, you'll hear us talk about our staff. Well, one of our staffers is leaving us. Now, I'm going to get in huge trouble for this, so just know this. This is a person whom you talk to on the phone. Uh, if you've had to, you know, pay your uh, fees, your um, memberships, any of that kind of stuff, well, she's leaving us today. And um, I'm not sad because I think it's a great move for her. And I'm not looking at her because she's probably really mad at me right now. But I am going to ask that everyone just acknowledge Jan Gallagher. She's here. I don't know where she is. She's in here somewhere. So I can't look at her. We are certainly going to miss her. It is my hope that now we will see her sitting in the seat sometime and not, you know, running around. Um, this is our loss, but a gain for a great company that I don't know that I have privilege to say that she's going to. But Jan, we love you and we will miss you. And thank you for everything. She's going to be really mad at me. All right. So now that I've done that. Amanda, block her so she doesn't tackle me when I... Okay. Um, so let me start with Ashvin's question. Ashvin is a City Club member and a good friend of mine. What is the feasibility of a northwest side train line to connect to the brown line to the blue? That's the question. That's the question. Well... You know, I think one of the things about this... Uh, oh, no, that's okay. I just want to make sure I'm being loud enough for folks. One of the things that's so great about our region is that we already have all of this infrastructure. One of the downsides is that we haven't maintained the infrastructure that we already have. And so one of the core philosophies of the 2050 plan and the work that we've been doing is really making sure that we're investing in our existing resources, but thinking about piloting some of those new things that are a little bit more flexible. I think the resiliency of our bus systems has really shown that, you know, there's a lot of great opportunity in making sure that that system that we have today isn't built in stone and is responsive. So I think thinking about making those connections, but maybe maybe thinking about making those connections in ways that aren't always as obvious is one of the things that we've been focused on. Thank you. So Chester Krap, can you say your last name again for me? Krapadlowski. Mm -hmm. I will butcher that. And I'm not sure. So is it really true that you were hit on Lakeshore Drive doing traffic and C-MAP stuff? I was involved in accidents working as a marathon. Amazing that he, you know, is part of that history and got hit. But thank God you're here with us today. So now for me to try to read this question. It says, Lakeview Critics... Well, you can read this too because we may take both of us. Well, traffic volumes being used to justify proposed improvements to Lakeshore Drive. Um, the Redefine the Drive project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be modified with something, number of people who work downtown. Yeah, can you just say what you're saying? Well, see. <laughs> our community is very concerned at Lakeshore Drive continue as a parkway, not become an expressway. I see. And then uh, we were talking to CDOT City, which I used to work for now. They said that they have 
we hope to have the phase one plans for the proposed racial drive by the end of the year. But the changing patterns of people, how many people actually work downtown, are changed forever, I think. And we want to make sure that the latest data is reflecting that they propose changes to Lakeshore Drive. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's one of the things we've really been trying to get our arms around. You know, one of the things that CMAP does, for those of you who aren't at an engineering firm who maybe know that we provide a lot of the transportation modeling for our region. So when big implementers like CDOT or IDOT come to us, you know, they say, what if we were to add a lane? What if we were to do this bypass? What if we were to do that? Can you model the predict, you know, can you predict how people will move based on that? Um, we have models that are recently updated, uh, but we recognize right now that everything's sort of thrown out the window in terms of uh, the differences between that and remote work and how people are getting freight delivered to their, their homes directly these days. So, you know, we are working with our peers across the country to understand what's going to be sticky. And we hope that through some of our mobility and recovery planning that we are able to provide some more um, some more, uh, I guess, refined versions of what that looks like for the future. Um, so we will be working again with the CDOT team and their consultant teams um, as they continue on that project. Thank you. Ruth, so we'll stay in that whole vein of, of improvements. Ruth Warnma from Capital Nation, Neighborhood Capital Institute. Are you here, Ruth? Okay. Um, please comment on CMAP efforts to work across state lines to benefit regional transportation efficiencies. Great question. And I know Ruth, and Ruth works really closely with our partners in Indiana, so I know where she's coming from. Um, we meet quarterly, uh, the directors for MPOs from Wisconsin, from Indiana, and from Michigan, to talk about some of those big things. It's been easier to move forward on a number of projects that are more multimodal, uh, multimodal bicycle and pedestrian. Uh, projects, but we recognize that our economic success is even broader than just this seven-county region, but that we need to be thinking about our watershed together because our water doesn't necessarily care about your municipal boundary or your state line. So we have been trying to align on resources. Freight is another good example. You know, freight moves across our region and it moves throughout to the rest of the nation too. Where are those bottlenecks and how can we help build projects collaboratively? So we are coordinating and hope to continue to do so. Great answer. Thank you. So, um, I live in a village called Oak Park, and um, we got Mayor Rory Haskins from Forest Park with us today. This question kind of goes along with people being able to participate from other areas. Dominique Wilson, U of I Discovery Partners Institute, are you here? Okay. Um, I noticed I heard a lot of different organizations and things that you were talking about with different acronyms. She says, how can local communities and members get involved with sharing feedback on a private and city on private and some city developed projects. So kind of talks about the other areas. Nina, you want to answer that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that uh, we at CMAP really pride ourselves on is the community engagement aspect, that it has to be early, that it has to be often, that at the point where it's coming up for a decision at, a, at my board, you're probably a little bit too late in uh, the decision-making process because so much time and investment have gone into it. On the private land use decision side, that's one thing that we don't have a lot of control over in our region. But I will say, making sure that you're uh, engaged in your community, attending community council meetings, going to those zoning boards of appeals meetings, not always fun, but those are the places to find out <laughs> right. and have your voices heard. Great answer. Thank you. <laughs> 
I love that. Um, 